Hello, Andre here. Welcome to a brand new episode of The Daily. It is the start of the work week and I pray that today, even as you begin your day, the time of prayer, of diving into God's word together, that your heart, your mind will be guarded in the peace of our Lord, that you will experience what the Bible describes as a peace that transcends, that surpasses all understanding. It's a peace that is divine. It is not built or predicated on a pros and cons list, on favorable outcomes, but it is a peace, a joyful, kind of hopeful peace that is only found in our Lord. And I pray that you'll experience that peace even as you begin your day today. This last week in church, we continued week two of our sermon series titled People of the Spirit, and it's our work through of Galatians chapter five, as we go through the different aspects of the fruit of the spirit. And this last week, we talked about the first fruit in the list of nine, and that is the fruit of love. And that really is Jesus' vision for our lives and life in the kingdom of God under God's reign. It's for us to become a people of love. Love essentially sums up our mission on the planet. To love God with sincere hearts, devoted hearts, giving Him our affection and our attention. But it's also for us to love people really well, to love people in our immediate circle well. But beyond that, to love people who are perhaps different from us, people who perhaps are different by way of social class, ethnicity, uh, opinion, whatever have you. It is for us to love others really well. I think of this uh, story of Rabbi Hillel. And now Rabbi Hillel was one of the few great rabbis in Jewish history. And he lived uh, before Jesus came onto the scene. And the story goes, a certain non-Jew came before Rabbi Hillel and said to him, I will convert to Judaism on one condition, that you teach me the whole Torah, that is the law, the whole Torah while I stand on one foot. Now Rabbi Hillel Uh, legend goes, composed himself and replied with this single statement. He says to the man, What is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. That is the whole Torah. The rest is commentary. Go and learn it. Love your neighbor. And the rest of the Torah, the law, is commentary. In other words, it's explanations on how to do it, on how to love your neighbor well. And I'm sure, you know, as a believer, as a follower of Christ, hearing a story like that, you go, yes, yes, I wholeheartedly agree. The Christian life, the Christian mission is to be that of love. But yet we find ourselves running into a couple of issues, don't we, right? One is our culture's uh, gross misrepresentation and misdefinition of what love is. Where we talk about love in culture today, Love is thought of more as tolerance, uh, a kind of like pseudo-acceptance, if you would. It's also thought of as niceness. You love a person, you are lovely as a person, meaning nice, having that kind of sanguine personality, striking the mouse breaks personality type. Uh, And we also think of love as desire, right? I love 
uh, this wonton mee called Eng's wonton mee. I love it, right? And it, but it doesn't mean that I want to give my life to it. Doesn't mean I want to sacrifice for it. Doesn't mean I want to spend the rest of my life with that bowl of wonton mee. It simply means I desire that bowl of wonton mee, and uh, in many ways, that kind of desire uh, is after getting instead of giving. And it's kind of love that is thought more of, I want to get something out of it. I want to get pleasure out of it. But we know all these definitions of love or ideas of love to be entirely contrary to the biblical kind of love. The biblical word for love is the Greek word agape, which has ideas of it being sacrificial. It is giving. It is enduring. It is gracious. It is merciful. It is the God kind of love and scripture tells us that God himself demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us and it goes to show that love requires expression it requires a kind of demonstration it's not just an eternal feeling or a disposition but it is something that uh, begins inwardly but it has to find an outward expression. And so I've been doing a bit of thinking over the last couple of weeks, particularly on the call of Jesus for us to grow into a people of love, to love each other really well. I've been thinking in this time where many have defaulted to self-preservational kind of tendencies, whether I have truly lived out this mandate as a person called by God to walk in the way of love. Now, I think a question that all of us should ask ourselves in this time is, how have we been inconvenienced for the sake of love? Now, notice this question here, right? The question isn't so much, have you been inconvenienced? Because truthfully, all of us have been inconvenienced in some measure, right? It's not the most comfortable, the situation, the setup we're in right now. But the question is, how have I, how have we been inconvenienced for the sake of love? What are some things that we have picked up that are uncomfortable, they're inconvenient, they require a bit of sacrifice for the sake of love, for the sake of loving someone else really well? And I think that question beckons to be answered in this time, right, where much of the world is focused thinking only for oneself. Christians, those who are possessed by divine love himself, ought to live in a different manner. So the idea of love here, or Christian love here is this, that it requires, it demands. And it's not to say that God requires and demands something of you before he loves you. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that in order to love others, to love people well, it requires, it demands. And the grace of God seen as this, that we do not give out of an empty tank. We give out of the abundance to which we have been loved. We love because he has first loved us. And so to cultivate this fruit of love in our lives, we must first examine our roots and see where they are reaching for nourishment. You know, studies have shown that trees, when they undergo distress, like when they're exposed to intense heat, when the weather's really hot, when, they, when there's like drought going on, the roots of uh, these trees were buried deeper into the ground in search of water. And so even in this time of pressure, of great heat, 
The question is where are our roots reaching for nourishment, even as we endeavor to love well in this time? You know, when Jesus compares himself to the vine and we, the branches in John chapter 15, it is a call for us to remain in him so that we may remain in his love as he has remained in God's love. Before we can love well, we must first believe that we are loved well. It is when we are secure in God's unfailing love, we can begin to do small things with great love every day. When we drink deeply from the love of God, we are able to let an extension of that love flow freely into the lives of those around us. Now, if I were to write the gospel today, uh, you know, it will look something like this. Jesus was born of a virgin, and as a teenager, he was very passionate about the Father's house, and then he started his ministry with this great prophetic declaration about the kingdom of God, and then he fulfilled truth in a new, spectacular way, and then he called his disciples. He gathered momentum, he confronted hypocrisy, healed the sick, raised the dead, he challenged Herod, and then he voluntarily died to become the savior of the world. But then he rose again in victory, proving to everyone that he was alive, and then he ascended into heaven. And right before he arrived, the heavens opened, and the father announced, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then the angels stand to their feet, the disciples raise their hands in victory, and all of heaven rejoiced. That sounds like a great script. That sounds like a great gospel account. But the actual gospels are not ordered like that at all. They show Jesus spending almost 30 years in relative obscurity before he healed a single sick person, before he raised the dead, before he confronted hypocrisy, made disciples, preached to the crowds, died and rose again. It says this in scripture that he was baptized. And at Jesus' baptism, his father declared, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Before Jesus did anything public or important, that was what the father said of him. What could the father have been pleased with? It is simple. It is relationship. Jesus spent 30 years of his time on earth abiding in his father's love. And that was enough. What pleased the father was not Jesus' accomplishments, but his intimacy. And that is the same thing that pleases our God in our lives today. And now because Jesus was aware of his father's love and approval before starting his ministry, he didn't have to compete or prove himself in his time on earth. The father's approval gave Jesus the security to give his life away in love. Now the love of God is not something you can conjure or stir up. It is not something that you can achieve with a new worship song and then you get all the tingles and all of a sudden you love really well. It doesn't work that way. Our hearts have to be renewed by the love of God. That is why Jesus and the Apostle Paul spend so much time talking about the root system of our hearts under pressure. Where do our roots go for nourishment? If we want the right fruit, we have to go and tend to where our roots go. Just like during a time of drought, where the roots of a tree goes deeper underground in search of moisture, 
this is what this time of pressure is doing. It's making us discover where our roots go to to draw our sustenance and nourishment. So even as we consider this high call of loving other people really well, we have to come to this fundamental conclusion that we get there not by our trying harder or striving. We can't conjure, whip it up, or guilt trip ourselves. We can't even podcast enough. We can't take all these external forces and think we can stimulate ourselves into loving well. It all comes from union and communion with the Godhead. It's with the Father who sent the Son, the Son who died in our place, and the Spirit who lives in us. This is God's love. In order to love well, we need to first understand that we have been loved well. Probably my favorite story of transformation in the Bible is that of the Apostle John. And that story is found in John chapter 13. Now before we get there, who is the Apostle John? Right, early in the Gospels, his nickname was the Son of Thunder. And now many of you remember the story where James and John offered to call down fire upon a group of Samaritan villagers who did not welcome Jesus. Story goes, he said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? Right, John is essentially saying, Lord, what is this kind of disrespect? Let me take matters into my own hands and let me kill them all. But if you read on further in the Bible, towards the end of the Apostle John's life, what was John's nickname then? It was that of the Apostle of Love. Now, how did John go from being a son of thunder, one who didn't think twice about murdering a group of people, to the apostle of love? And I think the key is in this verse in John chapter 13. It says this in verse 23. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. It's a picture of John the Apostle resting upon Jesus. A bit of context will help you understand that verse. In that verse, in that, in that chapter, Jesus brings his disciples together to celebrate Passover. Now that chapter details one of the most significant moments of Jesus' servanthood where he washes the disciples' feet. But this entire chapter also captured a moment of great chaos and confusion for the disciples. In that chapter, we read that Judas was told by Jesus that he would betray him and then Judas goes off to do so. And then Peter would stand up and say that he would never betray Jesus, but in a few days, we read in the scripture that he would. Now the disciples' image of the Messiah as a revolutionary military leader overthrowing the Roman oppressor was falling apart, even as Jesus tells them that he's going to the cross to die, he's going to be leaving them. And now the disciples in that moment were fanatic, they were fearful, there was much chaos and confusion going on with the betrayal, but also just utter disillusionment. And then we read this verse in John chapter 13, verse 23, that the apostle John, the son of thunder, leaned on Jesus' bosom, and rested. My personal hypothesis on how 
you go from being a son of thunder to an apostle of love is this, that in the midst of chaos, confusion, and uncertainty, John wasn't swayed. Instead, he leaned upon Jesus. And the same will go for us, right? How do we go from being fanatic, anxious, and unloving in the midst of chaos and confusion to being a people so possessed by divine love that we will love others well? We do so when we are no longer swayed by life, but we rest assured in God's love. That's how we become a people of love. Let me read a final passage of scripture over you this morning, even as you meditate on God's love for you. This is the prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, the invitation here is for inner men to be strengthened, for our hearts to be strengthened. Not so much so that we can love better, that is the byproduct. But what Paul is saying here is that you need to be strengthened in your inner man. You need to have stronger hearts to actually understand and comprehend how great God's love is for you. You don't need stronger hearts just to love better, but you need stronger hearts to comprehend, to experience the magnitude of God's love for you. And it's from that place of being filled in his language with the fullness of God, with all the fullness of God, that we are able to love our world well in this time. And so let's spend a few moments this morning just sitting in God's love, abiding in him, laying our roots down in this endless source of joy, pleasure, hope, and peace. Let's lay our roots down before God even this morning and drink in deep of his love that never ever runs out. So I invite you in this moment to sit still, to put your hands on your laps, put your feet firmly planted on the ground. Just take a deep breath in even this morning. Just take a deep breath and as you breathe in, picture yourself inhaling of the love of God. Just as you breathe and there seems to be an endless supply of oxygen and air around you, you can't expand what is in the room around you. So is it so with God's love for you. You can't fully exhaust His love for you. It is infinite. And as you're sitting down on your couch or in a chair, consider for a moment that even as you have placed your trust in that chair or in that couch because of its stability, consider that God's love is far more stable than anything that you can find on earth. He's more stable 
than the ground that you're standing on. He's more stable than the chair that you're sitting on. His love will endure forever. It is the most sure thing. And even as you have your feet planted on the ground this day, consider that the same God who created the gravity that you're experiencing, the same God who created the air that you're breathing, the same God who created your very being, the same God who created all that you're seeing around you in this moment, is the same God who loves you, who is present in your room in this moment and desires to meet with you today. And it's with all of that that we sit and we are rooted and grounded in God's love this day. And so let's spend a few moments just sitting here, being still and considering God's great love for us. Let's take some time this morning. Amazing. Let me pray for you before you start your day this morning. Father, we thank you for your love for us that is freely given, that is not based on our merit or how much we do. But God, you so love us. While we were yet sinners, while we have not done anything for you, O God, you loved us. So God, we thank you that we get to love others from the abundance to which we have been loved by you. And God, we ask that you will give us grace to first of all abide in you this week, to rest in your love, to cease our striving, and to experience you even in the mundane and monotonous. And God, we pray that you give us grace as well to love those around us really well, be it the ones in our home or the ones in the wider community around us. God, we ask that you give us grace. We love you. We thank you for your love for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of The Daily. I hope that you were blessed. Have a great week ahead. Grace and peace. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to The Daily Podcast. We will have fresh new episodes out for you every weekday. If you like what you're hearing and want to check us out, uh, you can look us up on our website, www.thecity.sg. Or check us out on our various social media platforms. We'll see you at the next episode. Peace.